Let's pray that God will help us in his word this morning. Father, thank you for, uh, for your word. Thank you for this section of Romans as we've been thinking about true worship and a life lived in sacrifice. We ask this morning as we consider uh, the relationships that we have with Christians that we disagree with, uh, we ask, Father, that you would teach us to be like the Lord Jesus, uh, that we would be accepting and welcoming, that we would be prepared to renounce our freedoms for the sake of love and edification. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are matters of Christian belief and practice that Christians have disagreed about. There are matters of Christian belief and practice that Christians disagree about today. There are matters of Christian belief and practice that Christians have been disagreeing about for centuries. In fact, there are some that we've been disagreeing about for millennia, which is quite impressive, given that Christianity has been around only for 2,000 years. And they're the kind of issues that have often prevented Christians from accepting one another, from working together. Now, there are times and there are matters to stand firm about. There are hills to die on. There are issues that are non-negotiable. But the reality is that so many Christian relationships, even Christian denominations, have broken down and split over matters like what Paul is talking about in Romans 14 and 15. And let's be clear, when we bicker, when we argue, when we squabble, it is not honouring to God. Now today, we're not sitting out to resolve those matters. I'm not just going to give you a long list uh, of settled law to resolve all of these disputes. In fact, I don't know that I necessarily could. Rather, what today is about is how are we as Christians supposed to relate to one another when we do disagree? How are we as Christians to treat others who don't hold our views? Now, we're still in that section after Romans chapter 12. We're still talking about worship and life lived in service. Uh, do you remember which animal derivative product we're supposed to be? Bacon, just in case anyone was here for week 12. It's supposed to be the bacon, not the eggs. What's the difference? Right, the bacon, the pig's all in. The pig's committed. Eggs, well, the chicken's just a bit involved. Right? Right? Okay. Except that we're willing pigs. Anyway, uh, don't get too hung up on that one. Worship is all of our lives, all of our bodies, everything that we are and all that we have. And today, in this passage, we're talking about how to live and how to work alongside Christians that we disagree with. It's an important topic for us. It's important because all families are going to squabble. It's just the reality. And we're a family. And so we will have arguments and we will have differences and we will have times when we disagree. And it's important that in those times we glorify God, that we seek to build each other up. It's important for us as we consider our partnership with Glen Quarry. Right, we may end up in some situation in the future time where people from either congregation need to learn to get along with each other. It's going to involve differences. It's going to involve people expecting different things and wanting different things. And so we will need to be able to get along. And it matters because if we're serious about evangelising the nations, that is, all people from all cultures, then we are going to have people join us who bring religious baggage, who bring differences in what they expect should happen on a Sunday, who bring differences in what they expect we are going to do. Family. Now, I'm not going to ask who the crying baby is in our church family. Uh, that one's my one, so I, I kind of have a soft spot for him. 
We are one family. That's what we are. We have one Lord, one Father, one God. And so we need to learn to relate. Now, maybe your family is not the best example. I don't know your family necessarily. Maybe you just argue and you don't argue well and you never resolve it. But it matters for this family because us getting along with one another honours God and us not dishonours him. It matters because we're an eternal family. You're going to have to put up with this family for the rest of eternity. It's going to have a long time for those arguments to get really bad. Okay, we're talking about disputed matters and it matters. It's important. Let's be clear on what sort of issues we are talking about. Now, I've got a picture, Andrew, if you can bring the... the, There's one picture on there. Uh, You can bring that up for me. We're talking today about specifically issues. Don't worry about that for a moment. In fact, blanket again because everyone just looked over there. Keep looking at me while I talk for a moment and then we'll look over there. We're talking about issues of religious practice. Matters where there are differences and disagreements. For example, in Romans 14, what to eat. One eats meat, the other one won't. In 1 Corinthians 8, one is prepared to eat food that has been sacrificed to idols and another one won't. What should we as Christians do in our Christian lives? Are there special days? Right? Religious practice. Is Sunday particularly holy? Or is it just one more day of the week? Are there festivals that Christians are bound by? Now, let me show you the picture. Bring that one up for us. And we're talking... Thank you. There it is. You're not going to find this in the Bible. Let me just point that out to start with. Uh, The Bible doesn't have bad PowerPoint. But it's not even an appendix. This is just one way of trying to classify Christian teachings, to try and sort them out. How should we respond to each one of them? So at the very centre of the target, in the A with the deep red there, are really the fundamental Christian doctrines and beliefs. These are non-negotiable. If you take any of these out or try to add anything in, what you are left with is not Christianity. The resurrection, the divinity of Jesus, God's creation of the world, that Jesus will come back again to judge the living and the dead. His death for sin, right? These are just, you take them out, you no longer have Christianity. That's A. B, as we start to move out a little bit, B is what we'd call sinful behaviour. Things that in the Bible are quite explicitly, you must do this, you must not do that. Again, non-negotiable, not a question, right? God has clearly said this, right? Do not commit adultery. Adultery is sinful, It's not an optional thing. We don't get to decide whether we can or we can't. It's not up to a preacher to stand up and say, well, it's okay to do this. You with me so far? Core Christian beliefs. Outside of those, we get a little bit broader. Matters of life that are sin and holiness, as God has declared them to be. Now, skip C for a moment and go to D, the blue outline around the outside. Those really are just matters of preference. What colour should the carpet be? Right? I'm going to let you guys fight that one out. Should we have tablecloths at morning tea? Must we have espresso coffee or is Blend 42 enough? I mean, this is just, these are matters of preference. Right? Really doesn't matter. God doesn't care. There's no right or wrong. It's just the way it is. 
Now, E, the wedge-shaped thing, is when somebody tries to take any of the other matters that are kind of outside and bring them into the middle. So, for example, in the early church, there was one group that said circumcision is essential to being a Christian. If you're not circumcised, you're not a Christian. And Paul said, that's nuts. That doesn't belong in the middle. That's not a core, very thankfully, that's not a core issue, right? That's just one example. Don't worry too much about the triangle. What we're talking about today is C, that white band in the middle, okay? I had to show you all the rest so we can talk about that one. We're talking about uh, Romans 14, 15 issues, Joe wrote on there very unhelpfully. It's matters of religious practice. What do I do in my devotion to God? What does it look like for me to live as a Christian? Matters that are disputed and that, to be honest, if you get it wrong, doesn't really matter. You're not going to dishonour God. You're not going to honour God all the more by doing it necessarily. Let me give you some examples. Should ministers wear robes and a dog collar? Should Christians drink alcohol or smoke or gamble? Are Sundays a particularly special day? That is, you shouldn't do shopping on a Sunday, you shouldn't watch TV on a Sunday, you shouldn't participate in sport on a Sunday. When should you be baptised? As a baby or as an adult? When you get baptised, how much water should be used? Is a little sprinkle enough or do you need to dunk? Should we light candles in church? How do you use the gifts of the Spirit? Is it appropriate, in fact, is it necessary to raise your hands in the air when singing? Now, you think all of these matters and you go, but if you start to think about it, how many Christian battles have been fought over these? People have theological arguments for what is right and what is wrong. But none of these are explicitly sinful. If you fall on one side or the other, you're not really dishonouring to God one way or the other necessarily. It might be a matter of conscience, but some think it's okay, some think it don't, and yet Christians fight over them. Okay, do you understand the kind of issues we're talking about today? A and B, we must stand firm on. And if it comes down to, they are worthy of dividing over. C, matters of religious religious practice, we can have different opinions of them, there usually is still a right and a wrong. One view usually is still right and one usually is still wrong, but it kind of doesn't matter. Okay, this is clearly Joe's sermon and not mine because that was all the introduction. So let's come to the point. Uh, thanks, Andrew, we can, we can turn that off now. Here's the principle. The strong should accept the weak. There's the principle. It's right there, the very first sentence in our passage, Romans chapter 14 and verse 1. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Or at the end of verse 3, right? You must not condemn the man who does these things, for God has accepted him. The principle is strong accept the weak. And I've got three reasons. There's two lots of threes. The first lot is about why we should do it. Why should the strong accept the weak? The second lot of three is about how we're going to do it, how we go about it, okay? So why? Why should the strong accept the weak? Firstly, because God has accepted them. God has accepted the weak brother, the weak sister. 
Right, once again, second half of verse 3, God has accepted him. Or look down at chapter 15 and verse 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So to put it positively, we need to accept our brothers and sisters in Christ that we disagree with on these kind of issues because God accepts them. He's welcomed them into his family. And accepting doesn't just mean, oh yeah, I, I, I guess you can come to my church as long as you just sit in that pew over there where I don't have to look at you, right? I mean, that's, that's not accepting. That's not the sort of welcome that Jesus has for them. Jesus made them part of his family. Accepting is welcoming. It's being their companion, their friend. It's receiving them into your home, giving them access into your heart. It's friendship. Not just putting up with them and tolerating them. Think about how Jesus welcomed them. What did Jesus do for that brother or sister that you disagree with? Do you remember what Jesus did for them? He did the same thing for them that he did for you. He died for them to bring them home to God. That's, the sort of, that's what it means to accept, not to tolerate. But negatively, Paul tells us here, do it without passing judgment. Don't quarrel. And certainly don't look down on them. Don't have this uh, despising attitude, this superiority. Well, I've got it all right. I've got it sorted out. I tell you what, if we had that mentality, our church would end up divided with this, this snobby, snooty-nosed kind of group of people who over this side are the people who think they've got it all together and over that side are the poor sods who haven't yet and we just look down. On... We must not have that attitude. It's so easy for the strong. It's so easy for those who, who know they understand, who have it well together. It's so easy for them to judge others who aren't so free, to, to just try and squash them in their ignorance. <laughs> that church down the road, they, their ministers still wear robes. They're so, they're so caught up in the old ways of tradition. I mean, just as well, we're free from that, right? Do you know those Christians, those Christians over there, they, they, they don't drink alcohol anymore because they think it makes them more holy or something. But we, we're free, we're strong. We're... It's so easy for that to happen. But I'll tell you what, it's so easy for the weak to judge the strong as well. It's there in verse 3. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. But the man who doesn't eat everything mustn't condemn the man who does. See, for, for, for those who are still in this other form of religion, so often you can think of the others as being, well, sinful. How could they? How could they possibly do that? Look at them. They've just thrown away God, full of indignation, self-righteousness. No, we must not despise one another. We've got to accept, because God has accepted us. And there's a time to work through issues. Okay? There's, there's, there's times and places where you want to sit down together and go, we have a disagreement, let's talk about it, let's read the scriptures together, let's in humility both of us place ourselves under the word of God and learn and grow. Paul believed that there was a right and a wrong regarding food, as is the issue in this chapter. He believed that there was a right and a wrong regarding the special days and the festivals. But even so, he was still prepared to say, accept them. Being a member of God's family is not dependent upon how much water was used at your baptism. 
It's not dependent upon whether you feast for Lent or not. It's not dependent on whether you eat halal or not. I mean, it's it just these things don't matter in that regard. And whether we welcome someone into our church family should not depend upon them either. Okay, there's the first reason why we should accept because God has accepted them. Right? Strong, accept the weak because God has accepted them. Secondly, because Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is my Lord. And I hope that Jesus is your Lord. And I trust that for a Christian, Jesus is their Lord. In other words, they are his servants to worry about, not mine. Have a look down at verse 7. None of us lives to himself alone. None of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Jesus is Lord of all. So stop worrying about them. Stop worrying about it in that uh, in the sense that we're talking about here, right? Let Jesus help them. Let Jesus make them stand. Let him, by his word, bring about the change in their lives. Right, end of verse 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Now stop worrying about them. Start worrying about yourself. <laughs> Why do you hold the positions that you hold on these sorts of matters? Why do you believe one thing and not the other? I hope and I pray, and if it's not the case, then please take this from today, that what you want above all else is to honour Jesus. That what you want in your Christian walk is to please Him. And so you hold the truths that you hold, you believe them because you honestly and sincerely believe that these things are pleasing to Jesus. It's so easy to just kind of get caught up into your own little camp, be in there surrounded by all of these other people who believe the same things and so you end up believing them well just because that's what we believe, right? This is our camp, this is, they're out there, we're in here, we believe these things. No, you hold to them because they please Jesus. Because he's your Lord. Okay, accept one another because God has accepted us. Accept one another because Jesus is Lord of all. Accept one another because God is the one who will judge. All right, look down at verse 10. You then, why do you judge your brother? Why do you look down on your brother? We will all stand before God's judgment seat. It's written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. I don't think I need to say much here. Worry about what God thinks of you. Hold the beliefs you hold because you want to honour God. For you will have to give an account to him. You, you, you and I will have to stand before him. Accept one another then. All right, there's the why. Because God accepted them, because Jesus is Lord of all, because God is the one who will judge. How do we do it? How do we do it? What does it look like in practice? Well, again, three points. Uh, I've got to tell you this. 
in one way I'm happy, in one way I'm sad that I've had to preach this sermon. This chapter is one of the hardest chapters in the Bible, I think. I preached a sermon once on 1 Corinthians 8, and it was one of the most demoralizing sermons I've ever preached. Because like this passage, do you know what it calls of us? To be prepared to give up what you love. We're not talking about giving up the the little extras, the little things over there that really don't matter and don't care. People love their way of expressing their religion. They love it. We're tied up into it. And that is what we're being asked to be prepared to give up. After that sermon on 1 Corinthians 8, I pointed out a couple of things in particular and there were so many conversations afterwards of people who said to me, oh, there's no way I could ever do that. It was so demoralising. But it's demoralising because of how much is asked of us. Here's the first point of how to do it. Limit your freedom by keeping the kingdom in sight. Christian brother and sister, you are free in Jesus. You are free of so, so, so much. Do you remember what Jesus said? Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, for my yoke is easy. All the weight of the Old Testament law of the religiosity that was demanded has been lifted from us. Jesus fulfilled it. You are free. Use your freedom to serve. Being free to do brings with it the option of being free to not do. Have a look down at verse 13. Therefore, Paul says, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who's in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. I'm free, he says. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in heaven and the reel of your life gets played and you hit that moment where you were just so strong in Jesus and you knew your freedoms and you exercised it despite knowing there was somebody there for whose conscience it was a sore point. And you're like, no, I'm free. I'm just going to go for it. And as you watch your life reel pan out, you see that person's faith crushed. Can you imagine the horror of that moment? Will it cause another to stumble? I'm free to do so. I can genuinely, with a good conscience, do this thing. It doesn't bother me. But will you give it up? Will you limit your freedom for their sake? The kingdom is so much more important. So much more important. And maybe you're sitting there right now thinking, just as well, it's not an issue for us, eh? <laughs> Whew, dodged a bullet there. I mean, like all this stuff about food, for example. We can, we can eat whatever we want, right? And there's no one, there's no weak, no, it's not a problem for anyone, right? I, I, I We're surrounded in our suburb now by Bangladeshis, many of them coming out of Muslim background. Imagine if one of them were converted and came to church and maybe they would have an issue with it. 
Maybe they would still be caught up in some of the, I, I can't eat pork. What are you, you're putting bacon on everything. What are you doing? How is that holy? Maybe one of them would come and see how we treat the Bible and be horrified. There's so many cultures, their holy book is, is special. It gets put on the top shelf, on display. All right, you come into my home, I reckon you'll find at least three Bibles on the floor somewhere. I mean, they'd be, they'd be horrified by it. Limit your freedom out of love for others by keeping the kingdom of God in sight. That's the first way to do it. The second way is that we must build each other up. If you are one of the strong and you are confident in your knowledge of the Bible, you are certain in what Jesus has to say about your freedoms in religious practice, then make sure that you use your freedom not to bulldoze others down, but to edify, to build. Chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbour for his good, to build him up, for even Christ didn't please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insulted you have fallen on me. Is your desire to build other people up, to help them grow, to grow in maturity, to grow in love for Jesus. Like Jesus, the one who took it on himself, he was prepared to give up his own freedom. Was he ever? God became man, died on a cross for the good of others. Build up. Now mind you, building does bring with it the idea of change, of growth. Right? We're not saying that one weak person can hold the congregation to ransom. I think it should be done this way, and because it's my conscience, you all therefore need to do exactly what I want. Ha! There is a time for change and growth and building. We do it patiently, kindly, in love, not judging, accepting. We do it by limiting our freedom, we do it by building up, and we do it by opening our hearts as we keep God's glory in sight. Those last little bit of the chapter there is Paul does a whole bunch of Old Testament quotes. We won't look into each one of them in depth, but he's painting the picture for us. He's showing us the scope of God's vision, the scope of God's plan and God's purpose. And the scope is this. All the world God looks at and he says, I want people from every last corner, even though it's a globe. So I want them from everywhere, every nation, every language, every tribe. I want people from all of them in my people. Jews, Gentiles, Caucasians, Arabs, Africans, Asians, Islanders, even South Americans. I mean, God wants all of them in his people for his glory. And as we accept and welcome one another, do you know what we're doing? We're confirming in our congregation exactly God's vision. We are on about what he is on about. We open our arms wide to all. God's eternal plan and purpose is to draw people from all the world together into one for his glory. And that is what we need to keep our eyes on. All right, again, verse 7. This is, this is the, the theme verse, the topic verse. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So please don't hold that Christian you disagree with at arm's length. 
You've got to welcome him. Welcome him into your heart. Welcome him into your home. We're talking about people you disagree with, okay? I'm not talking about your, the, the, your nice, your buddies, the ones you love and you get along with and it's all hunky-dory. It's hard. It's messy. It's inconvenient. It's going to take time. So many of us are time poor. So it's going to take us making time. And yet Paul hopes and Paul prays that God's blessing will come through it in verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. May overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got a challenge for you for this week. Uh, You get homework. When you think of someone you disagree with, over a matter like this. I'm not talking about someone who denies a core truth of the gospel. Right? I'm not talking about, think of a, someone who's not a Christian or somebody who's... Right? Nor am I talking about somebody who promotes sinful living. Not, not that kind of disagreement, this kind of disagreement. Particularly religious practice where, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter one way or the other. Think of one person. How are you going to accept them? Welcome them. Love them. Spend time with them. And not just time that's judging and arguing and bickering, but time in friendship. How are you going to stop despising them? How are you going to build them up? Here is the instruction today. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for the way that you have accepted us, for that you have called us into your family and welcomed us, the way that you call us now to bear with one another in love. Give us wisdom, Father, to know when issues are central and core and should be fought over, and give us grace and generosity to be able to accept when there are other disagreements. Give us the heart of Jesus, Father, who so concerned for the good of others in love would sacrifice all his freedoms. And so, Father, give us hearts that are so prepared to give up even the things that we love, even the things that we have a right to, even the things that we are free, if it's for the good of someone else, to build, to edify, not to destroy. And Father, we ask this for your glory as you keep calling together people from different cultures, different languages, different forms of expression, as you keep throwing us all together into one big melting pot of a family, may we honour you in the way that we relate. Amen.